Hi guys, it's your girl Booney of the Booney Breakdown Podcast. We're here for episode five and I have a guest with me, astrologer Mecca Woods. So this is a good one. Uh, thanks for sending in your questions. I tried to get most of them answered. Um, if not, you'll still learn a lot on this one. Just bear with us. There are a few moments in the podcast where I could not edit out the echo. Uh, we do record these interviews remotely, so we're left to the hands of technology. So just bear with us on this one. Thanks, guys. Also, I'm not really sure why you guys are delaying following us on social media. So go right now to Facebook and Instagram and follow us, The Boonie Breakdown, on both. So without further delay, let's get ready to break it down. This is the Boonie Breakdown Podcast, and with me today, I have Mecca, who is an astrologer. I know we've gotten a lot of questions about astrology on the blog, so I am not an expert, so I brought an expert here. So welcome, Mecca. Thank you. It's good to be here. Awesome. So Ken, before we get started, can you give people like a little background about who you are, how you got into astrology? Sure. So I have been practicing astrology for about six years now. And I started my practice, My Life Created, um, about back in, where are we right now, 2017, yeah. um, I would say, <laughs> uh, to like late 2010, early 2011. Um, and I got into astrology because I was at a bit of a crossroads in my life. Um, I had a job working in social services that I thought was going to lead, you know, to uh, more fulfilling or I would say a sense of fulfillment um, because mm -hmm. I've always had a desire to help people and kind of, you know, wanting to imp positively impact the world around me. However, with that particular job, um, you know, I just felt really burnt out and kind of lost in terms of what I wanted to do going forward. At the same time, I was also involved romantically with someone who just wasn't really good for me, you know, at, at, at mm -hmm. all. And that particular relationship was actually kind of a catalyst in um, in leading me to astrology. Um, not to say like I had always had an interest in it. There was um, a book that I read that maybe some of your listeners may be familiar with, but um, it was written by Thelma Balfour, who used to be the astrologer for Essence Magazine, and she had uh, two books. I think one was called Black Sun Signs, and then there was another one called uh, Black Love Signs, I believe. And um, you're right. My mom had a bookstore. Uh -huh. I think I used to read those when <laughs> yeah. she had a bookstore. Yes, yes. I used to read those like religiously, like my friends and I, we would get together and be like, oh, so you're a Leo, so you're supposed to go with the, you know. So, um... Fast forward, you know, I was I was in this this particular uncomfortable place in my life, and I picked up this book by uh, another astrologer who goes by the name of Kiki T, and her book was called uh, I believe like the Celestials Sex Pot, um, mm. and it was a relationship book, and I think that's a lot how a lot of people get introduced to astrology usually like through like relationship stuff, because um, that's where we tend to do most of our work, um, but I read it. And it made so much sense that I ended up getting two readings from her. 
And then from there, I ended up uh, getting another reading from another astrologer out on the West Coast. And it was just like one of those things where it's just like one behind the other, like everything started to click. I started to see how astrology was just so much more beyond blue. Like, you know, do I go, you know, if I'm a Scorpio, can I get along with a Gemini? Like it was more to it than that. And it was actually helping me to like unpack a lot of stuff, you know, in personally in terms of like where I was, what I wanted to do, where I've been, you know, family stuff, all kinds of things. And from there, I started to study and study and study until I got to the point where I was just like, you know what? I think it makes sense for me to do this full time. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned, mentioned about... about um, um, astrology readings and I think that's where people get confused like what exactly is a reading Mm -hmm. so if someone books a reading with you what should their expectations be and what will they need to bring to the table and what could they expect back from you what kind of information sure so I think one of the big things um I think that it is helpful really to any any reader or anyone who's getting a reading is just the idea of being open, you know, being open, mm-hmm. being receptive. Um, and also, um, sometimes it's helpful to have the, the, the knowledge that whatever information is presented to um, someone during a reading, the idea is that they're should be some follow-up or there should be action, you know, taken with that information. So my, you know, one of the reasons why I called my practice, my life created for, for, for instance, is because I wanted people who came to me to know that they had a hand in, in their life or they had a hand in their future, that it wasn't, you know, um, them being the victim of like some sort of unforeseen, um, power or unforeseen, you know, uh, circumstances that even though that there are a lot of things in life that are out of our control, there are still things that are within our control and astrology is a tool to help us be able to kind of harness that, that, that sort of, uh, power. And so with the reading it's the idea that, you know, if I'm telling you something or if I'm giving you information, um, you're going to take it and run with it. So it's not just, oh, I predict in six months you're going to meet the love of your life. Because I feel like people have this expectation of astrology Mm -hmm. or they get confused with psychic ability. Like, you know, she's going to read these charts and I'll know the exact path that's going to happen in my life for the next X, Y, Z amount of time. Right. Well, I think, you know, there is some... Uh, there is an intuitive component to astrology um, for sure. Like you, you do have to have a certain amount of intuition in order to be able to, you know, tell people about their lives and and give advice. However, um, there's something to be said about free will and Mm. astrology. I always tell people, you know, astrology is not meant to trump or like cancel free will out it is a tool that you can use as like, you know, like a guide, a guidepost or like a map of sorts. Um, astrology, for the most part, especially when you're talking about like, you know, future stuff or or predictive stuff, it's really about timing, you know, um, figuring out when's the best time to do certain things or not do certain things. Okay. And that is really about choice and it's about options. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, nothing is set in stone. Nothing is. No. 
Not at I all. I like it. <laughs> and so I, I guess that's the other thing too. It's like, is astrology kind of one size fits all? Like if I got a reading from you or if I got a reading from the Astro Twins or some other astrologer, like would each reading be the same or would they vary based off of, um, based off of what information or the intuition of the astrologer? I would say that um, there you may find some similarities between the readings, but I think how uh, astrologers do their readings, you know, we all have very different styles uh, mm-hmm. in the way that we do them. And then you also have different branches of astrology too, where, for example, you know, the astrology that I would say that I'm big on is probably like, um, you know, self personal development and synastry, which is relationship astrology. Um, but then you have people who do things like medical astrology or, um, what they call helionistic astrology, or, um, there's horary, like there's so many different facets of astrology, um, and different astrologers who have like their specialties. Um, there's also Vedic astrology, um, which comes from, um, an Eastern practice. So there's, there's a lot of different styles and methods. So I, I don't think that you would get an identity reading um but there there may be some similarities in terms of the message now that i did not know i did not know that there were different types of astrology so would it it, would it be beneficial to someone who wanted a reading to research those types and maybe find someone who specialized in what they were looking for is it kind of like a doctor like you know my ankle hurts so (laughs) I'm not gonna go to the ENT I'm gonna go to the orthopedic doctor (laughs) right no I definitely think that people should uh research readers um I especially talk about that I I wrote a bit of a, a blog post about that before because I started to notice um you know there I mean this is always you know as long as you you have people um who are looking for help, you know, and who may be in a vulnerable place, you're always going to have people out there who are looking to take advantage. Um, so I always tell people to, yeah, definitely research readers, research, um, people get to know, um, folks if you can that way, you know, cause I mean, it's the same way that you would do, like you said, like with a doctor or even like with a hairstylist, right? There's, I know that there's only a select amount of, a select amount of people that I would go to, to that I could trust with my hair, and I think it's the same thing, you know, it should be the same thing when you're going to a reader as well. No, I agree. Like, I, that's interesting because I've, you know how you read some horoscopes and you're like, oh, well, that didn't really apply. But then right. you'll read others and you're like, oh my gosh, she's telling my life. Right. So <laughs> I think that's interesting. I didn't know that. But I think it's also interesting how and you mentioned this and telling your story about how you got to um, astrology or found your path to astrology relationships like I feel like that is like you said most people's entry point to astrology and it's like well girl I'm a Sagittarius and he's this and you know we aren't compatible so does that bother you at all as a practicing astrologer that people simplify it so Um much to just that um, sometimes it does, but I don't know, like I, I'm always kind of going back and forth with myself in terms of like, 
um, how people get their information because, you know, I recognize that sometimes people get it in different ways and, and, you know, just because, you know, it doesn't always necessarily mean that it's wrong. Um, I do think that when I see certain things, especially like on social media, um, (laughs) when, when I see certain people talking about stuff, whether it's like talking about certain signs or, um, kind of reducing uh, astrology down to just like, you know, compatibility or, you know, I don't like, you know, Scorpios or I don't like, you know, Aries, you know, it's like, but there's so much more like, you know, for example, I always tell people, you know, if there's a certain sign that presses your buttons, you know, and they, they just kind of get under your skin or there's a certain sign that you just keep keep attracting. Um, maybe there's a lesson that that sign is trying to teach you about yourself. You know, there's a lot that you can do with that. Um, rather than just be like, oh God, you know, you know, not another Gemini or, you know, whatever. But Geminis really are like the worst people on earth. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I think I said this last time in my podcast. I'm a Sagittarius. Okay. Me too. Yay. Okay. Sad girls. Um, but I just, I don't know. I will always joke about Geminis, especially Gemini men. I don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, it's something to say. I mean, for, for Sages, you know, Geminis are our opposite sign. So it's always going to be that, that opposite, uh, that opposition or that polarity there between Sages and Geminis. So I can, I can kind of see what you're saying. <laughs> Sorry to my Gemini listeners. I still love you, though. <laughs> so, okay. A few people... You guys who listen, I asked a few of you for a few questions. So since we're talking about relationships and astrology, I'm just going to throw out here. And I didn't even tell Mecca I was going to do this, so don't beat me up. But um, I'm just going to throw out three little signs. We're going to do a little quick, like a quick fire about astrology and relationships. So Aries women, Mm -hmm. who would be their best matches? Just like on paper, like. No, no deep information you have about them, but just Aries women. Aries women, um, I definitely would say that they would need another fire sign or, or possibly an air sign. Um, fire being Sag, Leo, um, that would be that can be a match for them. Or if it's air, you know, uh, Libra, which is actually their opposite sign. Oh, that's um, interesting. Gemini, Aquarius. And I say that because fire and air tends to make a natural combination because these are two signs that are very, um, not two signs, but two energies, I would say, that is that are very outgoing. Um, they, they're not easily threatened by uh, an Aries woman's need for independence or freedom. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like, you know, women, I think we all kind of have this moment where it's like, do I want to be my own person or do I want to kind of follow what society says I should be or what someone else says I should be? And I think Aries women always have to kind of toe that line a bit or always have that sort of battle because Aries in in, in, in its nature is very independent, is very impulsive. Um, and Aries, you know, is a, is a masculine energy. So Aries women wouldn't necessarily fit underneath that sort of uh, one-dimensional thing of like what a woman should be, you know, like they're very in your face. They're very bold. Um, they'll be the one to ask you out, you know, like <laughs> they're, they're not the typical, typical, uh, sort of, you know, 
coy, you know, sort of woman. So I think that they would definitely need an, an, another sign, like like I said, air of fire, who understands that um, that boldness, that passion, that directness, that bluntness. Um, so yeah, Aries women and and would need another fire or or an air sign. Fire or an air sign yeah. for. Aries okay one other one that we had (laughs) was a Virgo woman Mm -hmm. where should the Virgo woman look to Virgo woman would do well with another earth sign like Taurus or Capricorn um, or they would do well with a water sign like Cancer or Scorpio Pisces Pisces is actually the Virgo's opposite um, I think Pisces essentially is a really good match for Virgo because Virgos tend to live in their heads. You know, everything has to make sense to them. They're very, they, they pride themselves on their ability to critically think and, you know, to stay organized and to pay attention to details. And while that is, uh, you know, some of their biggest gifts that can also be kind of like a curse for them in some ways because you know if they're always concentrated on uh, or focused on like you know what makes sense it can 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 lead to like a lack of sensitivity sometimes or the inability to you know feel the more uncomfortable emotions um you know which can kind of block themselves off and i think pisces being so watery and being so sensitive um and emotional kind of teaches them how to honor uh their feelings and how to let go a bit and not be so um sort of tight you know and kind of closed off so i think Water especially is great. And then earth is good for them too. Um, because I think whenever you pair earth together, there's always this need to kind of build something, you know, earth always wants to build and like leave something behind. So I think, um, that can work well with them as well. Gotcha. Well, that was interesting. And while you were talking, I just had this like random tangent because, mm-hmm. you know, I try to be inclusive. And I just thought about like even the language that I was using, like a Virgo woman with a Aquarius man. It's like, is there room for um, uh, inclusiveness for like LGBT in relationship compatibility astrology in that rectum? Because like sometimes you go to the websites and you do those little drop down menus, you don't see that. So I'm just curious, have you seen that in your practice or? Um, I do know that there are some um, astrologers out there that are that, you know, that identify as LGBTQ themselves. Um, And in my own practice, I have been, I don't, uh, I don't say, um, actively but because to me when I think of inclusivity I don't know it's just something that just comes a little bit more natural to me I'm just like why not you know there there's more than 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 one way or there's you know there's more um out there so for me in terms of like you know I I do have clients you know who identify as queer or trans um and with my horoscopes even like even though one of um you know, I write for bustle.com where I do like my daily horoscopes and like my weekend horoscopes. And then I do my monthlies on my own website. Um, bustle.com is geared towards women, but I find that like when I write my horoscopes, I really try to avoid gender, um, identifying, you know, words, you know, I try to make it so that my writing appeals to everyone. Um, because I do think that, 
you know, as an astrologer, it's important for me to be inclusive. You know, it's important for me to be able to uh, make the work that I do accessible to everyone. So, um, yeah, awesome. yeah, definitely. The only thing, though, is that sometimes and I've seen this this discussion happen before, but, you know, with with astrology, the signs and the planets are assigned uh, masculine or feminine. And sometimes that can get a bit tricky um, because you do have people who are considering themselves to be non-binary. So sometimes masculine and feminine might not necessarily be appropriate. So that's something that I've been kind of focused on lately too, um, in terms of wanting to, to grow and, and, and learn more about as well. Awesome. That just popped in my head when we were saying that. And I'm like, wow, it's, it's easy, um, to just continue the norm. So I was just curious if you've been taking that route for inclusiveness and you are, so that's awesome. Yes. Um, <laughs> So we, you mentioned this, and this was a question that I got actually asked twice. Um, and you've mentioned earth signs, air signs, we're fire signs with Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain how the elements, earth, air, fire, and water, mm-hmm. how they tie into astrology? Sure. So astrology, as you may know, is a very, very old practice. Um it was something that was big in, you know, in uh, Greek culture, something, um, I believe, I'm not sure if the Egyptians practiced astrology, but a lot of ancient cultures, I would say, across the globe had some form of astrology or cosmology um, incorporated into their culture and customs. Um, and so for the four elements, this was something that um, had to do with what they had considered to be like um, in you know during mi- medieval times. I would say um, they called the four temperaments, and basically okay. what they did because at at one point in order to be a doctor, right, you had to know astrology because they used to use astrology to treat treat various uh, illnesses and diseases and things of that nature, and so um, and this was before like we got towards like more contemporary astrology where there was like this uh, big split between science and, and, and astrology and science, you know, people who considered themselves to be more scientific started to frown on astrology, but you know, that's a whole nother story. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, with the, with the, with the elements, they were called four temperaments or, or the four humors. And basically what it was, was they showed like how um, someone's temperament or someone's, um, physical makeup would fall in one of the four elements. And so like, for example, um, you had, um, was it, uh, I believe choleric choleric was one of the, the names of the four temperaments and for choleric that fell, fell under, I believe that was more of the fire temperament. Um, and basically what they did was like, they, they translated that, or they associated that with the four elements, um, being water, fire, air, earth. And they showed like how people behaved or how people were translated into um, that that particular element. So someone who would be watery would be more like um, quiet or more shy 
or more emotional. Someone who was fiery would be more outgoing and loud and, you know, easy to like get angry and easy to fight. Or someone who was an earth sign would, um, you know, in terms of physicality, they would tend to be very stocky or sturdy because earth is known for its, um, its uh, penchant for stability. Um, and strength. So there was a lot of different things that kind of went into that. But basically the elements was was had to do with like the physical makeup and sort of like um, the behavioral makeup of a person. Wow, you just broke that all the way down. It makes so <laughs> much sense. Because <laughs> I get it now. Like everyone's like, oh, you know, fire. And you mentioned it too earlier, like fire mixes with air really well. Mm-hmm. And those are generally the only type of men that I like are fi- other fire signs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. particularly Leo's yeah. <laughs> but it makes so much sense when you explain it like that yeah yeah so th- there's actually um there's a book that I'm trying to remember the name of it cause just in case anyone was interested in finding out a little bit more about like how the temperaments or the elements tie into each other um, I'm trying to remember it. Uh, maybe at towards the end, I can, I can. Okay. Like, but, yeah, we can yeah, circle but, um, back. But um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of sort of um groundwork that went into uh, astrology. So I, you know, for my own understanding, and I'm sure others out there as well would like to know this. So you know how you can do like the natal chart readings and. You enter your name, your birthplace, the time of birth, your birth date, and it gives you back, like, I guess where all the planets are and in your sign in each planet. Mm-hmm. So it's like people are always like, oh, I'm a rising sun in Sagittarius. And like, I know personally my moon is in Virgo and I think um, my Mercury is in Sagittarius, mm-hmm. but what what does that exactly mean? Does that play to the characteristics of a person or how you deal with certain things in life? Can you kind of flush that out for us too? Sure. So basically um, what we call, you know, astrologers, the tool that we use um, are charts. Uh, we, ca- we cast charts uh, for various things, but one of the most famous charts that we always use is the birth chart. And a birth chart, the simplest way I guess I can explain it is that you can think of it as being sort of like a snapshot or even like a map of sorts um, that encapsulates the moment in time that you were born or, you know, something was born in that particular moment of time. And so it shows you like where the stars and where the planets were aligned in that moment and what it can do is, you know, the birth chart, it never changes. It, it, it always stays the same, even though the planets, as they're moving, they're moving through different signs and doing different things. Um, but the birth chart can show you things from like, you know, family patterns to, you know, the gifts that you and the talents that you were born with to mm-hmm. challenges that you might have over the course of your life and things that you might have to watch out for to personality um, traits and, and habits to uh, health stuff. You know, there's a whole host of things that the birth chart can show you. That's because, yeah, I was I think I I did one 
on one of the websites that let you do it for free. And this was like years ago. I think those are the only three I remember. But I think a few of mine were like the planets were in the same one. Like I think Saturn and and Pluto were both in Scorpio. And mm-hmm. but I have to find it somewhere. But yeah, and, and the you know with the planets um, themselves, they are basically you know like they they all have different jobs within the chart. So, you know, different jobs and different functions, but they all work together to create the whole. Um, I think that's the cool thing, too, like about the birth chart, because when you look at it on, you know, on the screen or on the paper, um, it's a, a circle, you know, and it's divided up into like these 12 different pieces. And then the planets are in there. But this idea of the chart being like, a you know, a circle, it always, to me, it always represents like how everything is very cyclical in nature. You know, you have your ups, your lows, you know, your in-betweens um, and all the planets work together, you know, as a whole. Some work together easy, some, some <laughs> are having fights with each other, um, but um, ultimately they they come together to to create the whole and they all have like their own their own jobs to do. Gotcha. So another question we received from a listener was, is the Saturn return a real thing? So first, I have to know what is Saturn return? Because I didn't even know what that question meant. Okay. <laughs> and then is it a real thing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the short answer to that is yes, it is a real thing. Um, and so what is it? So Saturn in astrology, so all the planets, um, you know, they, they sort of, like I said, they have their jobs and they all, they're, they're all symbolic of something, um, that we have to either deal with or master or whatever. And so Saturn in astrology is a planet that is associated with hard work, uh, maturity, responsibility, duty, restrictions, rules, responsibility, all that stuff that we tend to like not like to do. Um, Saturn <laughs> is associated with it. And whenever Saturn comes around, um, you know, to have a conversation with us, or I say with us, you know, in terms of like our birth chart, um, it's usually a time, you know, it's usually a maturing period or a maturing. Mm. And so a Saturn return Saturn makes its orbit, um, you know, it, it goes around the, the, the astro or the zodiac wheel. It takes about 29 and a half years um, for sign, for Saturn to go through all the, 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 all the 12 signs. So um, when it returns to the exact same place that it was at the time that we were born, that is what's considered a Saturn return. And so that happens oh. around the time that we are around 29 and a half. And the reason why, um, you know, people kind of cringe or whatever when they hear it, those of, you know, those of us who know about it is because the that, that uh, threshold between 29, the year 29 and year 30 is always considered to be a big deal for many of us because that's the end of your 20s. Um, you know, the thirties, you know, is considered when you kind of like have that second phase of adulthood and now you're like, okay, you know, I'm no longer, you know, I'm not in my twenties anymore. I'm in my thirties now. Now I have to really buckle down and get serious. This is when a lot of people start to think about family, you know, settling Mm -hmm. down. They start to think about, um, their career, you know, kind of settling into, into their career, um, and things of that nature. So it's a big growing up 
process um, that that year between 29 and 30. And that's when a lot of people who go through their Saturn return start to feel like they have this need to like cut out a lot of the quote unquote childish things that they used to do. Um, because now it's time to, you know, grow up and, and be more of an adult. I was unfamiliar with Saturn return, but now it <laughs> makes so much sense. Like, yeah. Hmm. All right. So the big one, mm-hmm. we all hear about retrogrades and when Mercury goes into retrograde, life falls apart. <laughs> don't fix your computer. Don't buy a car. Like don't do anything during Mercury retrograde. And when Mercury is in retrograde, we blame everything on it. Right. So <laughs> for the people who do not understand what that concept is, mm-hmm. can you explain what retrogrades, which you kind of went into a bit, what that means and then why Mercury going into retrograde is such a, a bitch pretty much? Sure. So um, I think the one one thing uh, I should point out is that when it comes to astrology, um, it's important for people to know that the planets aren't like, doing anything to us you know they're not like (laughs) they're not pushing us down the steps (laughs) (laughs) they're not like physically like you know causing us or any you know anything to happen it's just that astrology is a system that we use um and we as a culture we inform it by you know the different you know things that we do the 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 cultures and the customs and um you know the different things that we that we have and adhere by um and so you have that mirror effect where they talk about like you know as above so below however you'll find that during certain times you know when i talked about earlier about like the idea of timing and using astrology as a, as a tool for timing and figuring out like when's a good time to do certain things um retrogrades come in because or rather retrogrades are important because retrogrades you know, you can kind of think of a retrograde as like, you know, you're being, you're in a car, let's say, for example, and you're riding side by side with another car like, like that's right next to you. And let's say that your car, the car that you're in slows down <clears throat> okay, and the other car is like still moving ahead. And in a weird way, it can kind of feel like, it kind of looks like you're kind of moving backwards, but you're not Ah. really moving backwards. You just slow down. Slowed. Right. And essentially that's what a retrograde is. It's it's sort of like a a visual trick in terms of like where we are on earth and where the other planets are. So we're still moving, you know, in real time, whereas the other planet is kind of slowing, slowing down. And so a retrograde is always going to, in that way, it's always going to be associated with the past or like looking back or looking behind you. So whenever a retrograde comes around, the reason why people tend to have so much trouble is because we live in a world and a society where everything is all about go, 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 push, 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 move, 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 move. And we never really get a time to just kind of settle down and try and, you know, slow down and kind of look back and figure out like, all right, you know, which way do we go next? And so Mercury retrogrades, you know, they happen pretty frequently. They happen about four times a year, which is why people tend to kind of like go (laughs) crazy about them. Um, But Mercury is the planet that is in charge of like communication, you know, thought, speech, words, technology, you know, uh, uh, travel, short, short distance travel and things of that nature. So whenever Mercury retrograde comes around, 
it's usually a time for us to kind of like slow down in those areas, you know, to take our time, to look things over, to review, to reflect, all that kind of stuff, you know, all the prefix, re, anything that has to do with the prefix re, right? Um, and so the idea is that during that uh, three-week period that Mercury is retrograde, we're supposed to be looking back so that way we can get a clear idea about where we want to go once Mercury starts going forward again. So, so mm-hmm, good. Yeah, so Mercury retrograde in its sense, since it happens four times a year, mm-hmm. it could be like a quarterly reset for you in a sense. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you shouldn't that- really be as afraid, but prepare for it and kind of use it as a time to reflect a bit. Right. And that's essentially, you know, with any retrograde, I mean, it's not unusual for there to be up to five planets that are retrograde, you know, um, at any given time per year. Um, Because we're getting ready to go into April, you know, Saturn is about to go retrograde. Um, uh, Mercury is also going to go retrograde next month. Pluto is going to be retrograde. So, you know, Jupiter is retrograde now. Oh my goodness. There's a lot of... I only knew about Mercury and Venus. (laughs) (laughs) We have all the, all the planets, essentially, um, the only, the only uh, planets that don't retrograde is, is of course the sun and the moon. Um... And, you know, in Earth, we don't we don't retrograde. But um, but yeah, all the planets at at some point, you know, they they spend time retrograde, which is why I tell people not to get scared when they hear retrogrades, because that is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Ideally, you know, and, you know, the thing, the funny thing, you know, talking about birth charts, you know, I was born when five, like four or five planets were retrograde. So that's not it's not, you know, retrogrades is not something that's like new to me at all so um, we don't need to be afraid of them the way everyone no, is. no not at all they're always then, a really good time just to re- review and to reflect so like with venus retrograde this is a time for reflecting on relationships you know hmm. so it's like why does mercury get such the bad rap in all of the attention if you know pluto is retrograding and jupiter is retrograding right. why mercury um well i think because mercury um, cause it happens so often, you know, and I think it's become a bit of like, like a, a pop culture sort of reference, you know, where people, you know, I kids, you know, I think astrology itself is become, has become more popular and more accepted, um, lately in terms of mainstream. So even if people who might not necessarily like read their horoscope or know a lot about astrology, they'll still be like, oh, I've heard about Mercury retrograde, you know, um, somewhere, some, in some some way or form um so I, I think that is one of the reasons why it's so popular is just because of how often it happens um and i think that people do you know and i think people see the immediate effects of it um recently gotcha. like even with venus retrograde now I, I see people more people talking about it um and experience it but yeah yeah, yeah, I feel like Venus is like the kale. You know how kale is like became hot all of a sudden. Yeah. Like now <laughs> Venus retrograde is like <laughs> is the one that everyone's talking about. Yeah, yeah, and then last year it was um, Mars retrograde. You know, because we had yeah. we a big period with Mars was retrograde. So yeah, it 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 has its moment in the sun. So if you, I know you recommended like three or four books, and I wrote them down, so I'll make sure to put them up on the blog on the boonie breakdown for you guys to go grab and get them off of amazon but if you were 
I guess, in your studies, if you could recommend like just a basic beginner level astrology book, if someone was interested in reading more, what would that book be? Um, so there are a couple of, so, um, these, so there's two books that I think are really great. Um, they are pretty old, so I don't think they're in print anymore, but I'm pretty sure that if you go to like Amazon or like, um, you know, some like used bookseller sort of, uh, book or um bookstore um you might be able to find it but those books are uh astrology for the light side of the brain and astrology for the light side of the future and those two books were written by an astrologer she's she's also a sagittarius i love her Go um, <laughs> her name is uh kim rogers gallagher and she she the way that she writes it um you know it, it's it's kind of funny like you know sagas we love to bring humor <laughs> to whatever it is that we- <laughs> shocker <laughs> <laughs> So she writes it in a very plain, very easy, uh, kind of humorous way. And she, um, the astrology for the light side of her brain, she kind of breaks down like the signs, the planets, the houses, you know, what they do. And then for astrology for the light side of the future, she talks about like um, the transits and like what it means when like, you know, when you have a Saturn return or when Venus, you know, meets up with your moon, you know, like she goes into to detail about those things. And then one other book, um, that I often um, suggest for be- beginners is called Astrology for Yourself. And um, Demetra George, I believe, is the author of that. And basically, that's kind of like an astrology workbook of sorts. Um, it's good for helping you to like learn your chart on your own. And it helps you to learn about like the different planets and what they mean and like how to actually like read a chart for yourself. That's good to know. And especially, I think, if you are interested in getting a read a, a reading um, from Mecca, of course, you can go to mylifecreated.com. But I think if you wanted to get a reading, to have that basic knowledge of astrology for yourself could help. Because mm-hmm. um, I do also feel like this is one of those fields where people can get taken advantage of if they don't go to someone who's reputable or they don't do any right. research for themselves. So right, right, right. I think... You should really look into those book recommendations. I'm probably going to try to grab one myself um, <laughs> because that's the one thing I am, you know, interested in doing a reading because I haven't had that done. Um, okay. Yeah, but I definitely think you should get a reading. And and, and like you said, um, definitely doing the research yourself first is 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 one of the best things that you can do. Like when I first started out, before I actually became an astrologer, I would be all over the Internet you know, I'd, I'd have like, I grab all the books that I can and just read and read and read as much as I could possibly could. Yeah. And so we have some homework, guys. I think we got like four <laughs> or five book recommendations, but I'll make sure to put them up on the blog. And for our last question for today, sure. this is the big one. I can't believe somehow I left this one to the end. Um, astrology and religion. Mm-hmm. I, I myself am not a... a big religious person Mm -hmm. um i have faith and i believe in god and i interchange the word god and universe quite frequently because they're the same in my mind right um but for those who are devout christians or you know they practice islam or judaism does astrology intersect at all with religion should people who are like people who are religious should 
are they sinning if they're into astrology? I mean, I know this is all opinion for you, but mm-hmm. just curious your thoughts there. Um, well, there's a couple of answers to that question. So let's see. Um, well, I, I would first say that um, the answer, you know, the question you said, like, are they sinning or are they doing something wrong? I would say no. Um, and the reason for that being is, is uh, astrology is not a religion. Um, there is no... Say that again. Can you say that one more time? <laughs> astrology is not a religion. It's not a religion. It okay, great. Religion. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is no religious doctrine or uh, ceremony or anything of that nature that is associated with astrology. We are not praying to planets or anything of that nature. Astrology is a tool. It's a system. It's uh, a tool that you can use for timing. You know, like you can think of it as being like a cosmic clock of sorts where you can figure out when's the best time to do something and when's the best time not to do something. Um, And it's also a good, like I said, a good tool for personal development, Um, you know, kind of helping you to unpack your gifts and your challenges and figuring out how to, how to, you know, empower yourself with that information. And then um, in terms of, you know, religion itself too, um, there is some astrology within certain religions. Um, For example, within Christianity, Um, The story that has to do with uh, Jesus in the manger and how the three, the three kings or the three wise men um, used the stars to find out where he was. That is all astrology. (laughs) You know, that that is not, you know, that that's not um, not a, a mistake at all. And as a matter of fact, you know, you talk about another book, there's another book written by another astrologer, and he's actually uh, an astrologer and a, a, a theologist, I believe. Um, it's called Astrology and Cosmology in the World's Religions. And it's the astrologer's name is Nicholas Campion, I believe. And um, I, that was one of the first books that I read way back when I first started Australian astrology because I wanted to know how to speak to that question of like, how do you, uh, you know, marry astrology with religion? And, you know, you do have people like I know a wonderful astrologer. He's been, you know, he's he's like uh, such a, a, a wonderful resource and he's like amazing. His name is Sam Reynolds. Um, he's actually on Twitter. Um, he's a, oh, I follow him. I do yeah. follow him. He's great. Yeah. And I know that he's a practicing Muslim, you know, and he's been doing astrology for like forever. Um, so there's a way that you can still have your faith in your spirituality and still use astrology as a tool. It doesn't have to be one or the other, you know, um, and astrology is not, geared to replace spirituality it can help you enhance it um by helping you be a little bit more connected to um you know the divine or to the universe but um you know ultimately like i said astrology is not designed to cancel out free will so you know it's there to give you options and to give you some choices and and yeah um there's to me you know personally personally speaking i don't see it as something um wrong Uh, me either and i i think it's actually kind of a parallel between religion and astrology in the sense that um when you're indulging in either you need some level of discernment in interpreting the information that you're receiving whether it's from a reading or if you're reading your horoscopes versus you know whether faith you're practicing the the words that you receive from that practitioner so kind of feel like it's a parallel there but I do not 
believe that either replaces the other. Right. No, no, not, not at all. Um, and, you know, with anything, you know, for me, I think that it's always important to, um, I think it is always important for a person, like I said, you know, free will is a big deal to me as well as intuition. Um, and I think where the confusion sometimes comes in is that people think that, you know, if you do, you know, if you're using some form of divination like astrology or, you know, tarot or, um, you know, numerology or whatever, that you're somehow predicting, you know, something that, like I was saying at the beginning, like, you know, thinking that it's set in stone, that that's your fate, that that's what it's going to be and you can't change it, you know, which is why people was like, oh, you know, don't give me bad news and things like that. But ultimately, um, you know, when you use it correctly, it can help you to figure out, you know, some things that you may not have known before and, and being able to use that intuition or use their free will to make those choices to me is very helpful rather than being told that this is how it is and this is how it's always going to be. You know what I mean? Agreed. And I think that is a good point to end on. So (laughs) Mecca, I want to thank you for doing the podcast with me today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Um, I know I learned a lot um, and I hope the people listening did as well. So before we sign off, if you can just tell everyone where they can find you on the internet um, and on social media, that would be awesome. Sure. So you can find me at my website is mylifecreated.com. And then I'm always on Twitter talking, talking my mess at, <laughs> <laughs> at The Mechanism. And that's M-E-C-C-A-N-I-S-M. Awesome. So again, thank you. Uh, guys, go check out her website. Follow her on Twitter. Read her horoscopes on bustle.com. I do. I also read her monthly horoscopes and they're pretty good. So thanks again, Mecca. Thank you. That was an awesome episode with Mecca Woods. So again, thank you, Mecca, for joining the show. I just want to give you guys a teaser of what's to come in the next couple of episodes. Brian and his crazy ass will be back. Uh, Chrissy and Sheikha will be here actually for next week's episode. I have a future New York Times bestseller. Yes, I'm claiming it for her. She'll be here. And my favorite travel partner, she'll also be on because that's who I get my tips from. Guys, again, follow us on all social media at The Boonie Breakdown. Go to the blog, theboonybreakdown.com. Thanks for listening. And as always, we appreciate it. And until next time. Ah.